This is Dove Tuzman, and you're on equal footing again. We're going to toggle from difficult subject to difficult subject. These last several weeks, we've been diving into issues around abortion, the inception of life, challenges in raising special needs children in traditional Jewish communities, subjects that we had difficulty. We had wonderful guests, but we had some difficulty getting guests because they were subjects that people sometimes didn't want to touch the third rail on. And, you know, that's when we know we're on to something that needs to be discussed, that needs to get into the public square, and that needs to get discussed in the context of halacha, of Jewish law, of Jewish ethics. And, yes, if you're tuned into this show, you're on a Jewish network, and it's to some degree a Jewish show, but stay tuned in if you're not Jewish. These Abrahamic concepts apply to many of the world's major religions and undergird and are related to the original Athenian philosophy and democratic principles that undergird our our Western society today. So hopefully it's applicable to you. Tonight we're going to be talking about something that definitely is applicable to anyone paying attention to the social polity in the United States, and that's gun control. Or if you want to look at it through the other prism, it's gun rights. What a tragic couple of weeks it has been shootings in buffalo shootings in ovaldi other shootings even today even hours before this program in fact there's been about 145 days that have passed in a little bit more where are we about a, around closer to 160 days into 2022 into our secular current annual calendar and there have been almost 230 shootings these are mass shootings these are not Folks that are in gunfights in, uh, in some sort of, um, what's the word of, you know, a, a mafia, an, an interchange between, you know, thugs or mafia gangs. It isn't also, it excludes the tragic deaths that occur in attempted burglaries and other crimes. Uh, it even excludes figures around acts of crimes of passion and uh, just singular murders, all of which are, of course, tragedies. It's it's a it's 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 a game of folly to compare pain to compare tragedy. But those numbers, about 160 days passed in 2022, over 230 dead, are from mass shootings. Those are people often mentally ill, who own guns in the United States. That's just in the United States, and are killing innocents. Most recently, um, innocent children. However, we do have a beautiful, what, 250-ish year tradition in this country of freedom. And the Second Amendment is key to the American definition of freedom, the rights to bear arms. But what does Judaism say about this topic? 
bravo to our guest tonight who's been on the program before. We know not afraid of tackling difficult and complex subjects. Last time we were talking about the reconstitution of the Sanhedrin. Check it out on all the major podcast platforms. And you can hear our guest, Rabbi Shmuel Green, on that program. And again, bravo to him tonight to be willing to talk about such a difficult and complex subject. I want to introduce, for those of you who don't know him for a minute, Rabbi Green. He was born and raised in, in Minnesota, uh, but he grew up in the desert of the Negev in, in Israel. He jokes sometimes that he's now living in the desert of central New Jersey. <laughs> His words, not mine. Rabbi Shmuel Green, apropos to tonight's topic, served in his, as an Israeli paratrooper in the Israeli Defense Forces. He studied at the Jewish History and Thought, he studied, pardon me, Jewish History and Thought at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Under the guidance of Rabbi Adin Even Israel, or Rabbi Steinsaltz, one of the great figures of, of, uh, great rabbinical figures of the 20th century, Rabbi Green received his rabbinical ordination and he set out to work in Jewish informal education in North America for the last 20 years. He's a passionate and devoted Jewish ed- educator, constantly striving to empower Jews of all backgrounds to connect to and enjoy the richness of Jewish living. Not just folks who are Orthodox, not even just folks who are religious, but any Jew that is researching, discovering, yearns to know what it is to be a Jew from an ethical, a religious, and an observance perspective. Rabbi Green is the director of the Jewish Student Union in New Jersey. He served... Uh, the Jewish community, as well as director of education at Hillel at Rutgers University. He's been the director of teen initiatives at the Partnership for Jewish Learning and many other uh, involvements in the community, including director of the Steinsaltz Ambassador Program. What I loved about having Rabbi Green in the program before, and I'm sure as well tonight, is that uh, having to work with young people, with teens and college students, he's able to take very complex subjects and simplify. And we were, I was just talking to our producer a couple of nights ago about some of these subjects of the last several weeks. And I won't say who, but we had a guest who was not willing to be, even though he's a published expert on this topic of Judaism's view of gun control, didn't want to be on the program tonight. I'm not going to say his name um, because he felt that it's too hard to distill these complex subjects in an hour long program. But then there's the there's the maxim that if we can't if you can't describe something to a child in simple words, then you don't actually master the subject. And Rabbi Shmuel Green masters his subjects. He's willing to take the complex and simplify. Rabbi Green, thanks for being on equal footing talking about gun control and gun rights. Thank you for having me again. Thank you so much. Rabbi Green, let's let's start with the part that I think um, you, based on our conversations off the air, may least like uh, to get it out of the way. And that's kind of the halachic approach, the Jewish law approach. Does Jewish theology have clear guidance on gun rights and, and, and gun control? And if it's not clear, what are the what are the sides of those arguments? Okay, so I'm not a halakhic posik. I'm not a person who could tell you halakha, first of all, in general. And second of all, um, like these complicated issues, every case and every part of the case is going to have to be discussed on a personal matter, uh, in a personal way. Of course, we're talking about in general, the general rules and rights and everything. But in order to 
tackle this subject, halacha and Jewish theology do have an attitude or perspective on this thing we call rights in the first place. You said gun rights, right? This whole point of what do we have rights in Judaism? Is there such a thing as a concept of having a right? When I say a right, let's go to the extreme of almost like an entitlement. Am I entitled to anything? You know, and because there's two different levels of rights. There's rights where I'm entitled just because I am. And there's rights that I have, like, for instance, the right for self-defense. I have the right to be able to defend myself. I have the right to the doctor, God, or the Torah, has given the doctor the right or the ability, almost rights almost in the, in, the, in the sense of permission to heal. Okay, so it's the same type of thing. It's like, what are, is there such a thing as rights with regards to entitlement? Mm-hmm. And that's a big question because sometimes we, particularly in this debate, we slide into very much so the two sides will slide into, well, it's my right. Are they, do they mean it's my right? in order to be able to live because there is a purpose and a meaning towards my life and therefore I need to be able to, to, to defend myself? Or is it, since I exist, I'm entitled to everything and anything I want? And yeah, that, and on the, sorry to interrupt, but uh, on, on the... On the I have a right to defend myself, and you know many would argue that the halachic argument kind of comes down to this tension between the right to self-defense, which is pretty clearly articulated in our sacred texts from you know the Talmudic dictum: if someone comes to kill you, rise up and kill him first. There's references in the Talmud as well, and and derived from a Mishnah passage around the homeowner having the ability and and the the right to kill an intruder in self-defense. So that kind of self-defense argument versus the implementation of violence and the and the and the strain or the stream I should say of thought in in our uh, with our sages and in our sacred texts around weapons kind of being a disgrace and and also of course the famous um, Isaiah uh, uh, you know saying of, of of beating weapons into into plowshares and and this also threads through our tradition so there's this natural tension as you're talking about around you know where where do where do rights individual rights um, start to in, impinge upon, you know, group security and so forth. And I think it's fascinating in preparing for the show how similar it seems. And correct me if I'm wrong, Rabbi Green, it seems like the the the, the Jewish ethical conversation or even the halachic conversation to some extent mirrors the constitutional conversation in, in our democracy of the individual rights versus group security. Yes, yes, it's very, it's very similar, and there are a lot of similarities. And it even gets better if you, if one reads the background and, for instance, the Federalist Papers and the whole philosophy behind the writing of the Constitution. And our forefathers wrote about God-given rights, or what is our purpose in a God-given world type of thing, and how can we achieve or attain our purpose or our goals as individuals and as a society in God's eyes. And that is the big question. The big question is nothing really, this is why it doesn't become simple. Nothing in the world, there's very rare things in the world, an idea, an object, uh, a, a, a concept that is objectively good or bad. 
that is one of the most difficult things of our world. It's not when we believe in our religion that there's so most of the things in the world is not objectively either good or either bad. It's more of what are you using it for? What's the purpose for what you're using it for? And what is the meaning behind it? There are certain rare things that are, so to speak, good or holy in and of themselves, like objectively. For instance, the going back to our previous conversation, the temple, where the temple stood, that place is holy. There's no if or but, there's no dependency. It is holy. Why? Because God said so. But almost everything else, an idea, a concept, uh, an object, like I said before, take, gets its meaning from what purpose are you using it for. Now, when we go to self-defense, if I'm using a gun for self-defense, self-defense is very broad. What is self-defense? Does deterrence, how much does deterrence come into play with regards to self-defense? How much is the fact that bad people know that I have a gun, therefore they're not going to come to me in the first place? Or try to, or try to, you know, that's the whole, our whole people who remember this, that's the whole Cold War, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. You know, you that know, was, it was all about who has right. It, it, we're going to have to take our first break in a moment. We're here with Rabbi Shmuel Green, who's an educator and theologian, talking about gun control and gun rights, so to speak, although Rabbi Green just gave us some education on whether we should be using that word, but certainly the issue of gun ownership uh, in in our society and looking at that through the prism of Jewish ethics and even of Jewish law. It's a fascinating conversation. The There are very different ways of looking at this. The Orthodox Rabbinical Council of America, the famous RCA, for example, has a very clear resolution passed in 2014 that ended decades of debate within the RCA, clearly in favor of restricting, quote-unquote, American citizens' easy and unregulated access to weapons. That resolution by the RCA in 2014 cited Isaiah in support of its call for avoiding recreational activities that desensitize society to killing weaponry and violence. They also made reference to the famous uh, debate that's that's cited in the Mishnah between the disagreement on carrying weapons on Shabbat, where Rabbi Eliezer maintains that they're ornaments and can be uh, carried, they're mere ornaments, but his colleague citing Isaiah disagree, saying weapons are always indignities. So this is a debate that's that's gone on for millennia in our culture. Participate in the, this discussion on gun ownership as it relates to Jewish ethics by calling 718-303-9090. That's 718 718- Three zero three nine zero nine zero. As always, you don't have to say your name if you want to be a little private. You can also, if you want to be even more private, text a question or comment. You can send by regular text or by WhatsApp to nine one seven four two eight four zero six two. That's nine one seven four two eight four zero six two to text or WhatsApp a question or comment on this issue of gun ownership through the prism of Jewish theology and ethics. We'll be right back with Shmuel Green on Equal Footing. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by Manhattan Medical, 
Manhattan Medical has been a great sponsor for this program for quite some time. And what we share in principle with Manhattan Medical is the need to address difficult topics and be unafraid. Manhattan Medical particularly addresses the topic of erectile dysfunction. It can be emotionally painful. It can uh, prevent people from having enjoyable sex. It's, it can be a problem in, uh, in in marriage. It is not something to be ashamed of. There are solutions out there, and there are solutions for erectile dysfunction that go beyond those expensive blue pills, those pills that are, for many folks, not available because of comorbidities for other reasons. Manhattan Medical utilizes a different ED cure approach. It's called Gaines Wave Therapy. It's been around for quite a while in Europe and Canada. It's now taking uh, hold in the United States. This Gaines Wave Therapy can help you achieve excellent results as it relates to curing erectile dysfunction. It's non-invasive. It's surgery-free. It's painless. You do not have to be in Manhattan or even uh, anywhere near the New York area to avail yourselves, uh, yourself of Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction. You can do it by teleconsult, video consult, by calling 888-EDQR9. That's Manhattan Medical's Erectile Dysfunction Gains Wave Therapy available to you. Call 888-EDQR9. In numbers, that's 888-332-8739. You can get a free consultation if you mention that you heard about Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy on this program, on equal footing. That's a $250 value. So call Manhattan Medical about their erectile dysfunction Gains Wave Therapy. That's 888-332-8739. Call now. I've been caught. Back on Equal Footing, I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm here with Rabbi Shmuel Green, educator and theologian. Enjoyed having Rabbi Green on the program previously talking about the reconstitution of the Sanhedrin. Tonight we're talking about gun rights and gun control through the prism of Jewish theology and ethics. Rabbi Green, some folks could take the position that the Jewish community in the United States has voted with its feet on this issue. Um, over 85% of Jewish Americans of all levels of observance believe there should be greater degrees of a greater degree of gun control in the United States. That's a Pew Institute study very recent from 2020. Uh, as of 2020, only 13% of Jewish households owned guns in the United States. That's compared to 41% overall. So less than a third, 10% of Jewish individuals in the United States own a firearm that's compared to 26% or one out of four. So one out of 10 Jews in the United States own a firearm. However, one out of four Americans generally do. However, there are strong voices, uh, particularly in the Orthodox community that are, that have been uh, pro gun rights and have aligned uh, behind NRA initiatives and so forth. And it usually comes down to the argument that around agency and, and around freedom of, of religion around se- and, and freedom of, of religious, um, observance and particularly around self-defense. Is this a decided issue, Rabbi Green? Is it even worth us doing a program? It seems like the Jewish community in the United States, at least, has broadly kind of decided that greater gun control is needed. I, I think you asked me two questions here. Is it an in, undecided issue? Absolutely, it's an undecided issue because I don't think it's going to ever be decided. It's an issue that keeps on going back and forth because there's tension between two legitimate ideas here. One is, again, 
Uh, and then the second question that you asked me was, is it worth it to have the show? Well, that's another question. If you think this show is going to solve it, or if we think the show is going to solve it, and it's only worth it that if the show does, then it's not worth having the show. <laughs> if we're willing to talk about it, then absolutely it's worth it. It's a delicate and complicated issue, like many delicate and complicated issues, because we're talking about, again, I want to bring this, I make this a little bit more macro than just gun control or gun rights. I want to talk about this idea of control, just any type of control. Of course, the Jewish world, of course, the world that believes that there is a God and there's a right and wrong and and reward and punishment is going to lean towards control or uh, 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 types of, 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 of ways of making sure that there's some kind of control with things that are dangerous, that, that things that are dangerous to life, things that are dangerous but are necessary. I want to tell you a quick story. Okay, just a very quick story. As you said at the beginning, you said I was a paratrooper. One of the first, I want to tell you two stories, if that's possible, if I have time. Very quick stories. <laughs> one by Number one. one, about meaning and purpose. Okay, here we go. The first day I was a paratrooper, it was the only day that I ever saw the commander of all paratroopers. I was a little bit of a haze. I didn't know what was going on, right? And he gets up and he says, we're going to make your lives miserable. We're going to have to let you sleep, eat, whatever. We're going to train you, train you. You're going to be exhausted. Why? For one reason, one reason only. And all of us thought that he was going to say, in order to kill your enemy better, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, no. He didn't say that. He said, and this might be in the, only, the only army in the world. I don't know if it's still like this, but it was, that, it, it was that day. He said, there was one reason, one reason only. It's because another 12 to 15 years, each and every one is going to have a little Jewish child who's going to wake you up at night in the middle of the night, and you're going to be tired, and you're going to be hungry, and whatever it is. And you're going to be able to take care of that Jewish child like a Jewish father needs to, because been there, done that. And that makes your whole army experience completely different. There's a purpose and there's a meaning towards everything you're doing, including learning how to kill people. So all of a sudden, it becomes meaningful and becomes purposeful. And then there's a second story on the opposite end. That one of the days we finally were able to introduce, if we are finally able to introduce to the platoon, a thing called a mag. A mag is a very, very heavy gun. Mm -hmm. And one of the sergeants on the side said, remarked and said, isn't it beautiful? And many of us looked around and we said, and we thought to ourselves, because you can't contradict the sergeant when you're in the army. We thought to ourselves, because we talked about it after, and we said, that's not the word we would have used. A gun is not beautiful. A gun is necessary. And that's the flip side of the coin, the meaningfulness and purposefulness. When we have meaning and purpose, then things are put in the right context. Electricity is also dangerous. We need controls over how we handle electricity. I don't let my five-year-old or my eight-year-old get close and put a finger or anybody into a socket. Now, do we need electricity? Of course we do. Of course we need ways to, to defend ourselves. Now, this debate in the Orthodox world of getting here and there, it's a concept because we're talking about let trends me, in me, the let community. Pa yeah, let's, let's pause there for a second. And it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, meaningful story because as soon as we start to um, kind of idolize uh, guns, we know we're in territory that is not sanctioned by Jewish ethics for sure. However, on the, the comparison you made to electricity, the the – the danger, although I see, the, I understand the argument you're making logically, I think the risk is that it quickly, quickly becomes a trope. And there, there are a couple of tropes that are well trodden in this area. There's the guns don't kill people, you know, people kill people. 
Okay. Uh, but also mass murders, you know, by assault rifles. You know, they, they, why, if they don't, if they don't kill people, why are they, why are they buying them? There's, there's obviously limits to that, that argument becomes tropish. There's the, um, if, if, uh, Jews were armed in, in Nazi Germany, there wouldn't have been the Holocaust. Uh, there are a number of these kind of e- extreme arguments that, that really, that really, um, function uh, more as heuristics than, 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 than real logic. And I think what, what, what happens is it, for someone who struggles to understand what the, what the Jewish ethical or even halachic guidance is on this subject is balancing the greatest mitzvah of all, which is to preserve human life. You know, the, the pichlak nefesh, the, the, and at least my understanding as, as the greatest mitzvah against these other, what seem to be a little bit abstract uh around um around okay but what if it's needed for self defense okay well you know w- w- what if there's a uh you know a, a, a need to kind of protect against an invasion or something like that whereas that what if is clearly um statistically outweighed by more controlled measures I, i'm going to i'm just give you one one more um example of debunking a trope a lot of folks Talk about Israel as compared to the United States that are, that are pro-gun rights folks say, oh, well, Israel has uh, many more guns and it's a much safer society. Um, th- this is, this is a, uh, a tropish argument. In fact, in terms of private gun ownership, Israel is less than one-fifth of the United States on a prorated basis. Uh, the vast majority of guns in Israel are military-issued guns by people that are in service or on Reserve. Um, to get an, to get a license in Israel, you have to do you have to do yearly training on use. Almost all gun owners in in, in Israel have uh, been in in the military. Over eighty percent of gun licenses annually in Israel are denied. In the United States, less than two percent are denied. In fact, Israel has one of the most regulated gun ownership environments of any Western country. So there are all these tropes out there, and at the end of the day, it's confusing. And I think. I, I guess it, is there any way that that a, a Jewish educator or a theologian can give us more concrete guidance? Like when we're in that voting booth, what is the right thing to do as an observant Jew to vote for greater gun control or to vote against greater gun control? Um, <laughs> I don't know if. The answer is in the voting booth, number one, because the people who put out their platforms are so either for or against. And what I'm trying to say is that it's kind of like in the middle. Not only in the middle, it's complicated. And there's a deeper issue that needs to be addressed. Even if we had a society that would limit the amount of guns, even if we did, but at the core the society is not understanding what we're living for and what's the meaning and purpose of having the society, there's still going to be danger. There's still going to be danger of people finding a way to take up some kind of weapon, if not a gun, then something else, in order to harm others. Because people, when, when a society loses their way and doesn't understand why they exist in the first place and even think about the meaning and purpose and why and what principles we live by, then it doesn't make a difference if you're going to have guns or doesn't have guns. 
So that's a little bit of a more subtle argument regarding for gun rights or against gun rights. It's a deeper issue, which I'm trying to push forward to, and I don't know if the answer is going to be in the voting group. The answers have to be addressed at, are we educating our children and ourselves on the vast, on the broad level, not just in the Jewish world, on the broad level in American society, and asking the question, what is moral, what is right, what is wrong, why are we here? And I, and love, when that, we start- I love that you're, that, that that's the undergirding principle that, that, that you hold, and we've talked a little bit about that off air. I think that it's hard. One of the reasons why we started doing this show years ago is to try to provide guidance on the most complex issues. And it's frustrating as someone who's trying to live a Jewish life and, and failing uh, a lot of the time, but trying to hear, as I won't, I won't say who, you know, hear, hear, for example, uh, the response I got from a, a great uh, rabbi, someone that I, I think very highly of earlier today, even who said, you know, well, who, who did you get for, for that, for that show, for that topic? Because, um, the, you know, halacha has nothing to say about that. And I don't know anybody who would have anything to say about that from a halachic perspective. I think, wait a minute. If there's something that's absolutely key to our, so there were, what was it? 15 or 17 children, innocent children that were massacred last week. You know, and, and what are we supposed to say? Oh, we, we got nothing to say about that. Like, cause public, the voting booth is actually where it happens. It, it is where the, the, the laws are enacted. Israel is not, is, 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 is not a place without legislation. I mean, we, it, it, this is how our beliefs get manifest in the real world. So it's, it's hard. I'm not, I'm not blaming you for this, right? I mean, it's just, it's hard on this such a key subject. And I, I applaud you for being in the program that there's so few people willing to say, okay, this is spiritual and religious guidance as a Jew on this topic. Anyway, we'll be, we got a couple of good questions here for Rabbi Green. We're going to be right back. Uh, we're going to take an, another break we're back here on Equal Footing, talking about gun control, gun rights, the Second Amendment through the prism of Jewish theology and ethics. You can participate live by seven one, by calling 718-303-9090. We already have some text comments and questions that come in on a 917 number. You can text comments or questions to 917-428-4062. We'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been
You're back on Equal Footing. We're talking about gun rights, gun ownership, gun control through the prism of Jewish theology. Rabbi Shmuel Green, former Israeli paratrooper, educator, theologian, talking about this complicated subject with us. Rabbi Green, uh, let's go to a couple of listener comments or questions. Uh, Binyamin asks me to ask you to talk about Rabbi Nathan's reference to the bad dog in the house. And uh, I'm gonna, he says some other things, but I'm going to leave it there. Do you know what he's talking about? No, I do not. Okay, well, it seems if I'm if I'm if I'm understanding this understanding this correctly, that it's the concept uh, that uh, comes from Deuteronomy that you you should be forbidden to have anything that could cause damage in your home, including a gun, uh, for example. Uh, he also says that that Rabbi Luria points out that many authorities forbid raising a dangerous dog, even if it is kept chained. This would indicate that a dangerous object, such as a gun, is forbidden, even if it is supposedly safeguarded. So I guess this is this is a, a, a Talmudic discussion, uh, Rabbi Nathan referring to... Excellent. Text, yes, right? now I understand. Yes. Any yes. comment? Yes, of course. <laughs> um, first of all, if we want to be safe, and that's the only goal in life, is to be safe, okay? Um I'll give you a great quote that Rabbi Steinzaltz once told us as students. He said, you know where the safest place is for Jews in the world today? Where's the safest place for Jews today? And he answered his own question, and he said, it's in Syria. In Damascus, Syria, it's the safest place, or in Tehran. Because nobody can touch you unless the ruler there in Syria is Bashar al-Assad, right? Or in Tehran, whatever. If only if he gives them permission. You are the safest. There. Now, the thing is, is that the goal in life to be the safest? Yes, of course, you cannot have in your house. It's halacha. It's a Jewish law. You cannot hold things that are unsafe. But then we go back, and you, I know you called it a trope, but we go back to we all have unsafe things in our in our house. Forget about electricity for a second. Knives, you know, different types of things, and the way we control them is by understanding that they have a use, a certain use that's very important. And if we don't have it, we won't be able to use it for its particular use. When it's used for its use, it can even be used for holy things, such as cutting the challah on Shabbat, or cutting the meat, or whatever it is, whatever you have, the food, in order to eat, and make a bracha, and make a blessing. So everything has its purpose, and everything uh, yeah, somebody just mentioned to me swimming pool. Okay, that's also a dangerous mm-hmm. thing. Now, I understand. I understand. We're talking about yeah, the, 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 I, I hear you. It's, a, it's so, but I want to go back. I also want to go back to something you said before, if you don't, if you don't mind. Is that okay? Shoot. Um, now we have another listener question. Yes. Okay. Very quickly, you said I agree. First of all, I disagree with the rabbi that you mentioned before, saying halacha doesn't have anything to say about this. I disagree. Halacha has something to say about everything. But halacha will have something to say about the core issue. What's the issue at hand truly? It's not about gun rights. It's, again, about meaningfulness and purposefulness. That's the point I'm trying to get. And, yes, you are also correct. The, if people want clarity and to be able to make a decision and participate in the decision in the voting booth, 
just like my good friend, Rabbi Pini Alush bin Hasalush in Arizona, pushed through this uh, law, this bill of this moment of silence to be taken at all public schools in Arizona so that the kids could start thinking in whatever they want to think, but giving them a chance to think about meaningfulness and purposefulness, that's where we can vote in the voting booth. And that's going to change the tide. It's not about gun rights, yes or no, but it's rather, what am I doing here? So therefore, what do I use a gun for? What do I need a gun for? And you are exactly right what you said before. It's not an object to idolize, but it's an object to use. What do I use it for? It's not disqualified objectively, but it's also not said that this is something that every person has a right to have. Although in, in other complex democratic societies where you have the intersection between religious uh, dictates and rights and freedoms, uh, one that's very dear to the heart of many listening to this program, you know, Israel, for example, have worked through very highly regulated systems for, for gun ownership. In fact, in Israel, most groups are, are not even allowed to have a private firearm outside of military issue unless you're living in the West Bank, for example, in a settlement. Um, you And you have to show a bona fide reason for owning a gun. You have to do a mental health check. You have to have uh, operation and use training, all of which um, exist in very paltry form in the United States. And I want to get to the mental health issue because this is one of those places, Rabbi Green, and unfortunately you're just taking a little bit of being the, the butt of my frustration, and it's not your fault. You're, in fact, willing to be talk, here talking about this stuff. When 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 you hear kind of um, religious uh uh, leaders and advisors, you know, kind of step off these hot button issues. Um, it, it's frustrating in part because it, it feels too broad brush. And now what are we talking about? What am I talking about here in mental health? We have a number of, of we have four different listener comments and questions that all get to this. And I th- gra- congratulations listeners, because I think you've gotten to the core of the matter. It's about who owns the guns and what's the qualification for owning those guns. And of course, is the issue of whether it's an assault rifle, whether it's a, a gun that even is needed in society. It, and I may get, uh, I may offend with the use of, of some of these antiquated terms, but there's the Oliver Marcus Malloy quote of daily mass killings are a uniquely American problem because in America, every halfwit get, can get his hands on a gun. You know what angry halfwits do in other countries? They throw potatoes. And it's about the, the in here, what Malloy is saying, the halfwit is someone who has got a mental health challenge. And it's not politically correct. That's an antiquated term, but it's, it, you know, we all must acknowledge those folks, um, that are in that situation. A challenge with mental health issues should not be owning guns. The vast majority of these mass shootings are predictable in that sense. Although the person may not have been diagnosed, if they had been forced to do a mental health check and that type of background check and a bona fide reason for owning a gun, they definitely would have failed. And that's why I said earlier, Israel denies over 80% of these applications. In the United States, it's under 2%. There's a listener particularly gets this issue from a halachic perspective. Uh, Mark Katz writes, uh, selling weapons to enemies was strictly forbidden since they might use them against you. And the quote is here from Avod the Zara. Um, where these laws become interesting is over the question of who is worthy to buy weapons. Jewish law permits one to sell weapons to friendly neighbors and even to allied nations. However, one cannot sell weapons of any kind to someone who's committed murder or to a cowardly thief. Goes on to talk about the, the that there's clear halakhic guidance between uh, the person that 
can be allowed to own a weapon and the, can, the person that can't be. Isn't that clear enough, Rabbi Green, that can we just focus on that and agree that that Jewish theology and ethics at least tells us that in the voting booth we should be very focused on the regulations around who should be allowed to own a weapon? You're asking a very deep question, and I'll try to answer as quick as possible. Uh, because, yes, halacha, we have, to, we have to understand something, that halacha works as a system. And to take one halacha over here, one halacha over here, to say that is the defining factor is very difficult. If we had a state or a country that actually works with the whole system of halacha, then all those statements and all those quotes that people are quoting fit into the context and all make sense because there's a huge balance between all these different things that Allah takes into consideration. Here we're talking about the United States of America. It's not a, a country that's run, even though I did say that the Constitution and the constitutional forefathers, the writers, took into account the Old Testament and the Old New Testament and what does God want, so to speak. Um, they, this is not a halakhic state. Um, there is a history regarding the Second Amendment. And the history is based on a certain mistrust of decentralized government, uh, probably justifiably so. And, the pro- and so if you want to talk about uh, 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 who regulates and how they regulate and who decides who's a halfwit right. and who decides who's not and who decides who's a potential murderer. I, I promise this is a tiny murderer. parenthetical, but for folks that aren't versed in, in the, the constitutional amendments, that Second Amendment is, as Rabbi Green is correctly pointing out, related to the concept of the well-regulated militia, the idea that there should always be kind of a protection against the rising of an authoritarian Correct. Uh, influence like the King of England in the original case. But you know, So that, that's what that reference is about. Not only, not only, I mean, we had a whole civil war based on this, on this, on this tension, okay? That was states' rights versus the federal government. That's exactly what one of the main points of this little, but we don't have to go into all lesson here about American history and social studies about American culture. Uh, we have to touch upon it, but there's something that's important to understand here again is that if you ask me, not as Rabbi Green, but as Shmoli Green, I also don't trust the central government because I, I see who's there. Not I'm saying this particular person or that particular person, God forbid, but I'm saying they've also got to earn my trust as and I have that right because they've proven themselves, unfortunately, in recent history as people who are not exactly trustworthy. So your check and, and balance so today is owning a gun? That? No, my check and balances is getting deeper. My check and balances is demanding and voting for people who I trust. We're going to need to take our, our the last... Poli- our- the political... Okay, go ahead. Sorry, we're going to need to take a last, a last break. On this topic, though, there's a there's a great quote, quote that was just uh, sent over to me. I want to read on the reg- the concept of the well-regulated militia. I only wish – this is Kurt Vonnegut, the controversial but great writer. I only wish the NRA and its jellyfish, well-paid supporters in legislatures, both state and federal, would be careful to recite the whole of it and then tell us how a heavily armed man, woman, or child recruited by no official – led by no official, given no goals by any official, motivated or restrained only by his or her personality and perceptions of what is going on, can be considered a member of a well-regulated militia. We'll be right back talking about gun control and gun rights, complex stuff through the prism of Jewish theology and ethics with Rabbi Shmuley Green. We'll be right back. 
And his mother cried as he walked out Don't take your guns to town, son Leave your guns at home, Bill Don't take your guns to town Equal Footing is brought to you in part by Mechanical Art Capital. We have such different sponsors. We have Manhattan Medical on erectile dysfunction cures and MDCS, dermatology, and Mechanical Art Capital, which helps you free the cash value of your inventory if you are in the watch business. Watch dealers, listen up. You can get very affordable financing to expand your business, grow into new territories, offer customers financing so they can more easily acquire your product. And if you're an avid watch collector, don't just have those sitting in the safe. Give them purchasing power. You can finance against your watch collection as well. Go to mechanicalartcapital.com or go to the mechanical art capital, three different words, mechanical space art space capital, on your App Store, on your Android or Apple device, and you can quickly get a quote of financing just by snapping some pictures of your watches, and you get a quote that you can use for insurance. You can also use to obtain uh, collateralized financing. The whole process takes as little as a day to get your cash. does not affect your credit. No credit checks required. No tax returns required, none of that. It's collateralized financing. Mechanical Art Capital. Unlock the cash value of your watch inventory or your watch collection. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on I've been told. Caller online to you. You've been really uh, patient. What question or comment do you have? here for us on the, uh, I don't know, the halacha of gun control. Hello? Yep, you're on the air. Oh, me? Is this, is this, uh... This is Dove, you're on equal foot. Oh, this is Stan, how are you? Hi, Stan. I, uh, as I'm talking to you, I've been listening to the president who's been speaking for the last 20 minutes. On this And, topic? uh, I'm not, he's I'm not, not mincing words, by the way. You should, you should have had a little bit of it on, but, uh, let sorry, me Stan, ma- I'm on, since this is live, I'm not sure, I'm not aware. Is this on this uh, topic of gun control? Oh, uh, no, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, the, the gentleman is playing semantics. No, no, I meant, sorry, is the president, is President Biden talking on this topic right now? Of course. Now? Okay. That's Got what it. he's talking about. He's Got talking it. Wow. about At gun least, violence it. and gun control. Got it. Uh, the gentleman talking is playing semantics. I've listened to him for the last 20 minutes and I, I'm sick from the conversation. Uh, don't tell me 19 kids dead. Drowned in this. Don't mention a swimming pool to me. Don't mention a light bulb to me. How dare you do that? To mention these things that people will die. Or my God. Well, well, what is, what is there something wrong with you, sir? 19 kids are dead for one reason, one reason only. An automatic weapon. You talked about military. I fought in the war. I, I killed. I killed 34 people in Vietnam. I was taught to kill. But I'm home. I've been home 40 years. I'm not taught to kill. I put that weapon aside. I was taught that was legalized killing, legalized murder. What goes on here? No. That Second Amendment, it needs to be a little bit chipped away. Just a little bit. Not total, because it's killing us, literally. Now, are there medical problems? There's no doubt. But that's the states who don't put money into it, like Texas, 
the big phonies that they are. They Medicaid is forty seventh on the list. Uh, Stan, I hear I hear the passion. You definitely. Uh, also, well, wait a minute. This guy, what, you know, the, I know. What's the, I mean, what's the, the, the bottom question? line is this. What's the bottom question? line is this. Uh, something has to be done, and the Republicans don't want to do it. They're they're at the table, but they just don't want to do it, and I hope it courts them in the election. So this you mentioned elections. It, this this is where it's going to happen. This isn't a political show, but it is about – we're not shy about the intersection between uh, religion Religion has what, nothing to do with this topic. You made okay. a mistake. Okay, it, religion has nothing to do with that's it. What we, that's what we're trying to get to. Let me ask you a question, Stan, because you know, as, as difficult it is sometimes to, uh, I know. to deal with the passion, I, I, we, we agree on a we lot of things. We cut through it, sure. Yeah, I understand. We, we do agree on a lot of things. I want to ask you – it, does it? And I know you, I know from from previous calls that you're Jewish. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, do Go you, ahead. Um, does it frustrate you like it does me that there are these things that we call political and not like as if there's some area of life where our religious life cannot give a gu- guidance? Are you are you saying that you don't think that gun control is something that Judaism religion has anything to has say about? Never- this has never been a religious issue. In, if you have to put religion into it, religion has been the worst thing in terms of people being killed for religion's purposes. Okay, let, let, me, let me ask Rabbi Green. Rabbi Green, putting aside uh, you know, Stan's uh, uh, righteous passion, uh, uh, let me, uh, Rabbi Green, do you, think, do you think gun control is a religious issue? I think... Uh, uh, everything is an issue that God has something to say about. Oh, please. And God has told us, God has told us everything and how to relate to it. But here's the thing. Religious, smart religion tries to solve the problem. And the problem is not with guns necessarily. The problem is with us. The problem is with us. Here's the thing. I agree with Stan. If the, if the problem of little kids being killed would be solved by gun control, then Halacha would say, go for it. But here's the problem. This thing is, it doesn't solve it. We've had people murdering and killing even before guns. So if, will there, it help if there was an actuary, Probably. if, if there but was an actuary, a convincing actuarial study, and there could be a, a, a causation could be identified, and we could show that the sale of assault rifle, rifles on a net basis causes the death of children, uh, outweighing whatever self-defense use there. I'm, I'm not aware of a, of use of, of, of an, oh, hang on a second. I'm not, I'm, I'm not aware. In, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not aware in American history. I am a, I am an amateur historian, not, not a, a professional educator like yourself, but I am, I'm not aware of an example in American history of privately owned, uh, uh, assault rifles, um, Automatic weapons being used in self-defense. I just thought, I just haven't heard of one. Um, so, if there, if you could statistically show from a causation perspective that the sale of assault rifles, specifically, and let's get even more specific, the sale of assault rifles to people that cannot pass a basic mental health check, and newsflash for those that don't know this, um, a very small percentage of purchasers of guns in the United States, including assault rifles, are subject to do any mental health screening. Any. Okay? But let's say specifically we could show causation that assault rifles uh, sold to individuals that cannot pass a basic mental health screening causes the death of children on a net basis. If we can get it down to that, can we at least agree that halachically 
there should be greater gun control in that specific instance, as has been passed in Israel? If that was the only factor that Halakha had to take into consideration in order to make a decision. But Halakha is not dumb. The rabbis weren't dumb. It's a big lesson that I teach the teens that I educate, and also adults. Believe it or not, Chazal, our sages, weren't idiots. When they made decisions, they took a lot of things into consideration, like a good parent should do, like a good leader has to do, I'm actually, and everything. You have to respect. I'm actually saying. I'm actually saying that 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 our halachic guidance and our rabbinical authorities over the centuries were quite the opposite, but in fact forward-looking and brilliant by creating what exactly, seems to be rules about thing. that that would govern regulation of the sale of of weapons. I mean, I'm actually saying the if opposite. That a, there was forward-looking brilliance. If you had a situation that you didn't have so many people who would reject the idea out, out right away. You have a tremendous amount of Americans who completely and absolutely believe in the entitlement, I'll go back to what I was saying at the beginning, the entitlement and the right to bear any kind of arms, and if you take it away from them, they will fight you for it. If you have that factor that you have to take into consideration, there's a whole, you see, under Minnesota, not from the East Coast, thank God. There's a whole world out there of newsflash for the New York and the East Coast Jews. There's a lot of people out there, and a lot of people out there do not think, think that the Second Amendment is holy, and they look at the right as entitlement. Mm-hmm. We ha- this war against killing babies is not a war against guns. It's a war of education. It's a war of educating we, ourselves we again. Agree on that. Absolutely. What are we here for? That's the point. Yeah. Because and, and, and one of the things I really appreciate about your approach to Jewish law and education is that you you know that it, that Jewish law never works in a vacuum. I mean, you don't you don't divorce our modern values from our ancient texts. That defeats the purpose. Halacha is here to guide us in our real lives. Our real lives. Amen. If you call Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Orbach, I remember this, and you would ask him, a co- he was a very big, big rabbi dealing with many different things, and people would call him up. And if you would call him up and say, is this thing kosher or not? Or can I do this in my kitchen? He would say, and I promise you can ask many people, he would say, let me ask my wife what she does in the kitchen. There's a certain thing as real life. Looking at well, the reality, how there's nothing all more real life right now than 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 this debate about about gun control. Absolutely, yeah, but yeah. but to say that we're going to solve this by putting by voting for people who are going to vote for gun control, then you're going to have a millions upon millions of people who are voting for gun control. I yeah. mean, sorry, for gun rights. For gun rights, and it doesn't end. Do we want the killing to stop? Yeah, and you, do, you, you made an interesting, you, you said it in a pithy way, but you did make an interesting point about demographics, and I do think it's worth mentioning that the vast majority of Jewish Americans live in urban and suburban areas. So to be fair to the debate, um, there isn't as much, and also there's pretty clear prescriptions in Jewish law around hunting uh, without a purpose, hunting animals, and even if you're hunting for food, there's the issue of, you know, can you have kosher food if you shoot the, the animal? So I think there's just less recreational use of guns in the Jewish community, and that perhaps explains some of the statistics at the outset of the show that we talked about, and, the, you know, that uh, Jewish Americans own guns at about one quarter or one third of the rate on a individual or household basis uh, versus the American public 
um, at large. There, there's we're going to come up less with... recreational use for anything in Judaism. Because yeah. is recreation okay? We're gonna we That's gotta do a thing. show to test that one. Let's. I wonder about uh, whether that would be true around psychedelics or, or marijuana. So we'll have to test. We'll have to test that out. It's a very good question. <laughs> yes, a good time. It's exactly, to it's exactly the same question. Uh, it, Rabbi, there's a question from a guest that, uh, from a guest rather, from a listener that I thought was um, interesting. Um, that that uh, uh, says, uh, Rabbi Green, do you think that liberal Jews who support gun control are reluctant to draw on classical texts because guns are so different from swords, dogs, snakes, or any other item? After all, a single sword can't kill dozens of people in seconds. Do you think there's a resistance to I, draw I on our classical text? I didn't hear text? the question well. Can you repeat it? Sure. The question is um, to, to Rabbi Green. Uh, do you think that perhaps liberal Jews who support gun control are reluctant to draw on our classical texts because guns are so different from swords, dogs, snakes, or any other items? After all, a single sword can't kill dozens of people in seconds. I think those are references to, you know, references to weapons I, that come from, I, from I, our sacred text, swords and dangerous dog we talked about before. I wish, I wish that was the reason people weren't drawing on our sacred text. Unfortunately, I'm a Rabbi Steinzel student who thinks and believes that the greatest enemy for the Jewish people is ignorance. The reason why people don't draw on our Jewish text for anything is because they don't know our Jewish text. Well, exactly. Amen. That's why we try to bring this show, like you know, ma- marry kind of modern issues with with halacha. We're going to be up on time, Rabbi Green. I want to ask you, and we literally have about two minutes. Um, can you, if you were to play devil's advocacy, what do you think is the strongest uh, argument religiously for greater gun control, and what do you think is the strongest argument religiously for greater gun rights or less gun control, in whatever order? Just really quickly. Well, gun control is because everything should be controlled in religious life. If you're asking, you always have to ask, what does, what purpose is this for? And if not, then I'm not going to use it. Anything, including guns. So gun control obviously really fits in very well with a religious way of life. Okay. And, gun for, and for greater gun are, rights, yeah. Greater gun rights is unfortunately the history, the history, especially of the Jews. Is that the, and, and our history of being of being in danger and not to trust any type of centralized government? And I can understand why you know I can understand why many many people just have mistrust and say I want to have this right and don't tell me what to do is a sacred right and therefore I am going to get an assault rifle uh, regardless and you're not going to tell me who's a halfwit or not I love because I just you, don't trust you. I, I love how you're able to articulate both sides with compassion. I hope this conversation has helped at least some folks to reflect on the issue and maybe go to their particular religious guide or, or, or text and, and, and try to, to, to marry this difficult social issue with religious uh, observance and spiritual life. Rabbi Shmuel Green, thank you very much for being on Equal Footing again. Thank you so much for having me. Hope to have you again soon. Happy Shavuos to everyone celebrating, and we'll catch you next week. All the other kids were-